Welcome to this episode of Don't Listen to Us, episode number twenty-nine. I'm Sean King. I'm Melissa King. We 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 had a, we've had a great week, uh, interesting week, funny week. Um, well, that that's sorry, that's pretty much the same as all, all of our other weeks. <laughs> I think so. We we spent a great deal of time in bed solving the problems of the world. We really do. Uh, <laughs> We no have, one's listening to us. Well, no one's listening, but still, we, 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 we have solved the problems of the world. One of the funny things that we, and this sort of fits into the, my idea of radical empathy and standing up for yourself and saying what you think and what you mean. You don't like saunas. No. Why not? Um... Well, I mean, I think I, I think that I should like saunas, so Why? I go wait, into wait, wait, wait. the sauna. <laughs> Why do you think you should like saunas? Well, I, you know, there's a whole thing about, isn't there, you, you know, saunas are really good for you or whatever. I don't know. Okay. I go into a sauna because like, oh, well, we should go into the sauna. There's a sauna here. Who wants to go in the sauna? I do. Okay, so I, no, but I don't. I can't stay in there for very long. I feel like I'm suffocating. I actively hate saunas i don't like the feel of them i don't like the the, the sweaty i don't like the the super heat mm-hmm. i don't like the half nakedness or full nakedness whatever it is i just do not like anything about saunas huh. you told me a very funny story of you and your very good friend the lovely Corey, mm. going off to have a spa day yeah we did our spa day in a really <clears throat> shitty spa well yeah, i don't want to say okay. i'll say it nelsie stand I do, up i, I didn't, it was very disappointing. I was a, I mean, just because I was with Corey, it was wonderful because I love her yeah, dearly. Yes. So yes, but the spa. Yeah, but there itself, was a sauna there. The, the what's the name of the spa? I'm not going to say the name of you the have spa. To say the name of the spa. I don't have to do that. It feels funny. Why? Just it was a spa, and it we went there. It was ridiculously expensive. Very expensive. And you got very little for your money. Well, if you wanted to, you had to pay extra for all the extra lummy, yummy things. Yes. Like yeah. But the reason why I want you to say the name is so we warn other people from going well, there. Well, other people might like it. And it's a small community and it's sort of the very famous spa here. And I don't want people to, I don't want to say, anyhow, there's a If sauna. I could remember the name, I'd say it. I don't remember the name because I wasn't there. Didn't anyway, care. moving on. Moving on. So there was a sauna there. So tell me, so you and Corey went into the sauna. Well, all we had was sort of a pool with a waterfall thing that you could turn on and off with spa jets. And then there was another sort of a cooler pool. I mean, there was really very limited to do. For the $160 that you were paying. For, well, and I got, um, it was a gift to me. Yes, so. but still, And you couldn't bucks. use it for the restaurant because we thought, well, we'll just go and then yeah. we'll go and have lunch. But sure. we couldn't. Yeah. We had to just sit in the spa. So I said, would you want to go in the sauna? And Corey went, yeah, sure, you know, we should go in the sauna. How long were you, how long were you doing the Oh, sauna? I mean, I we sat there and we were kind of chitty-chatting for a little while and I just finally said, I said, i got to get the fuck out of here. I said, it <laughs> is too, I can't. And Corey's like, oh, oh, good. You know, we flung the door open and rushed out in our little towels. So the two of you hate saunas. <laughs> I suppose so. But we were compelled and we felt obligated yes. to make the sauna feel better that but- we go sit in it. Also obligated by each other. The fact that, that you said would you like to go to the sauna. Corey doesn't like saunas, but Corey heard you say, I'd like to go into the sauna. That's what happened in her brain. Well, I don't really particularly like them either, but I mean, it was like, the, well, let's go use the sauna. That's what I'm saying. You don't like them, but you still brought up it up in conversation of, you don't want to go in the sauna. Yeah. Corey hears, I, I, Melissa, would like to go into the sauna. Uh-huh. And Corey, because of our cultural upbringing, 
won't say, no, I really hate saunas. She wants to be there with her friend. Of course. So she'll go and do something she doesn't like to do with her friend. Yeah. Because her, she perceives that her friend wants to do it. Yet her friend also doesn't want to do the same <laughs> damn thing. So well, the two of you go into a sauna that you don't really want to go into, either of you, well, but because neither of you have enough <laughs> balls to say something. I don't have balls, dude. I'm a girl. Because neither of you have enough lady balls to say something. Well, you both no. sat there in misery. No, I was in misery for the last three minutes before I went, oh my God, i got to get out of here. And Corey's like, ah, oh, me too. Like We're in there for two minutes before it, it just was cracks me up. Well, because really there wasn't much else to do. So I thought we should go in there just to get our money's worth. But you don't like it, so why do you have to? Sh- you, sh- you should have done it. Because I think that I should like saunas. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you go and you say to people, "Yeah, we went, and we had a sauna, yeah. and it just sounds good." Did you go but, on the sauna? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh it's oh, our, our oh, Thanksgiving oh, cheesecake. Oh, hang on, hang on. Ready? Pumpkin cheesecake today, folks. We're having instead of the good old-fashioned pumpkin pie, which. I don't think I've ever not had in a Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, we are making, uh, it's Thanksgiving for us here in Canada. It is, um, in Canada, I've always thought our Thanksgiving was so much better than the American Thanksgiving. If only because it happens earlier in the year, so mm-hmm. the weather is no, less sir. likely to be nasty. Mm-hmm. But we have two Thanksgivings. We have, oddly enough, Americans have Thanksgiving on Thursday, which means people have to take either the Friday off of work or the traveling on Wednesday, or it just messes them up. But here... Our official day off is the Monday, mm. so you get a long weekend. Mm-hmm. But people often celebrate um, Thanksgiving on Sundays, like, like we do. Mm-hmm. And some people will do it on Mondays. But the cool thing is now, because of family, so many uh, just distended families is one way of saying it, but so many um, non-nuclear, shall we say, families, with parents of divorce and grandparents and that kind of stuff, you can actually get to two different houses now if you know, if they live in the same town. Yes. I remember when I was a kid, I'd have Thanksgiving at my mom's house with all my mom's relatives. Then we'd go over to my dad's house and have Thanksgiving on Monday at my dad's house. And okay. so you'd, you'd have two Thanksgiving dinners. Mm-hmm. So, but for me, Thanksgiving, my mom always made ham. She made a turkey, but she'd also make a ham too. And I, for some reason, I prefer ham. I think because... My mom's wasn't, but I always think of I always think of turkeys being a very dry meat. It's not if done properly, and I've made a good ham. We, we actually made um, turkey last year. It was, if I remember, it was pretty good. Oh yes, uh, but I, I prefer ham. So we're gonna have we're having a ham because mm. we're a small family. We don't need a big giant freaking turkey. No. So we decided we were gonna have a ham this week, and uh, Melissa has an injury to her elbow, and so I, I'm trying to make it so she's doing as little for me as she possibly can. Um, I didn't want you making a pie crust so I saw these two recipes on uh, the web one for a um, double pumpkin pie cheesecake yes we all love cheesecake so Mm -hmm. it's a a double layer it's a regular layer of cheesecake and then a layer of pumpkin cheesecake on top so it should be yummy Mm -hmm. and then we had a bunch of pumpkin sauce left over so we're making pumpkin pie bars yes a lot of pumpkin and I love pumpkin pie and I would make a pumpkin pie. Oh, I would to. make a pumpkin pie, but, but I'm, I will only make a pumpkin pie with your pie crust. You make the flakiest pie crust. I do make a good pie crust. Unbelievable! I don't know what you're doing to it, 
but it's explosively flaky. I would probably be more well. First of all, my the, my the pain in my elbow doesn't help. But um, I made those. We have a bread recipe that is just a ginormous pile of bread dough. I mean, it takes over the whole oven. It's like it has its own entity. It looks like this big doughy monster yeah. rising up out of the thing. <laughs> it's yeah. huge. And I think when did I make bread? I just baked bread on three days ago. Oh my gosh! I'm, uh, anyway, sorry, peeps. I, uh, anyway, I just didn't feel like dealing with a bunch of flour, and so the well, graham crackers are good for me but today. But that's another example of not standing up for yourself. I said, "Do you want to make pumpkin pie? Because we have to make it with your pie crust. Because your pie crust is amazing." Mm-hmm. And you said yes, even though you weren't up to it. Mm, well, it's uh, Thanksgiving, yeah, so you have to have pumpkin pie or something pumpkin. Something pumpkin, exactly. So I was quite accepting of making, uh, trying other things that are pumpkin. But I kind of sensed that you didn't jump on it. So I was like, okay, my wife doesn't want to make the crust because of her, her elbow. So I'm happy to, to make something else. Well, I, I'm happy that I've that I've, we're changing it up. But my, my point is you've got to stand up for... It's true. You have to say, no, you know what? I don't want to do cross today. Let's find something else. In good relationships, whether it be friends, whether it be husband and wife, whether it be whatever, in good relationships, you should feel comfortable saying, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And the other person should go, oh, okay. You know, and not be upset, not be angry, not be any negative emotion whatsoever. Just go, okay, well, I'll make other plans. Yes. There's been several occasions, or several, two occasions where you and Rory have wanted to go up Soames Mountain. Mm-hmm. And Hill. Mountain. Hill. Mountain. And Hill, everybody. <laughs> Poor Sean. And and I don't. <laughs> I, just, I honest to God don't. I've been up there. Even if I was You just made it everybody. What are you gonna be like that for? What are you gonna be like that for? Huh? It's just the truth. We're talking about truth here, aren't we? <laughs> you and Rory mountain go to your asses up this freaking side of this mountain. <laughs> I was hoping Rory was uh, being a little kid and would like hang back with me oh, and I'd no. have an excuse. No. But he ran up this freaking mountain. I think he could have ran down and gone, hey, Sean, come on, and ran around you. Like oh, that easily. little dog in that Walt Disney cartoon that easily. runs around the big one. Yeah. Easily come on, Sean, come on, come on. <laughs> but even if I wasn't good enough physical shape, I wouldn't do that more than once anyway. Mm-hmm. I know what you Well, the view is beautiful. I know. I've been there. Yeah, well, I've got pictures. Has it changed? That's a, this is a whole other subject. Have, have one of the, ha, has the mountains changed since I was there last? That's no? not their only reason why you go up. But for me, it is. You know, For you, it might be different. But for me, the, the reason to go up is the view. Mm-hmm. And once I've seen the view, I don't need to see it over and over again. So can I take you up a bigger mountain next time? You could try. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I, I'm completely comfortable because I know how wonderful my wife is. I know she's not going to be upset if I say, you know what, sweet, no, I don't really want to go. No, I know you don't want to go up there anymore. Where some other people might feel obligated to go, and the problem is that obligation for some people can then turn into resentment. You know, and that's oh, an issue yes, you've got to be true. careful about. Mm-hmm. If it's ongoing. Yeah, mm-hmm. if it's a whole bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to do this? And you're thinking to yourself, not really. And you go, yeah, sure, honey. Then you start thinking in your head, that bitch made me do this thing. Right. You know, yes. Whereas if you stand up for yourself in a good relationship. Yes. And the other person is accepting of that. Now, if it's something like, you know, would you help me fold the laundry clothes? And you go, no, screw you. You're a jerk. Well, that's supposed to be a shared Exactly. That's, thing. A, that's a different thing. There was yeah. a, 
uh, someone made a comment on on uh, Twitter last week. Um, I said something about uh, was it happy? You know that stupid happy wife, happy life thing. Oh well, I've um, said before. I hate that. I, re- I wrote on Twitter. My wife Melissa is looking through her closet and saying, "I have nothing to wear. I'm so boring." Mm. Apparently, laughter was not the response she was looking for. It's going to be a long day. Smiley mm-hmm. face. Yeah, I was joking. Mm-hmm. Serena Broussard writes, "LOL, happy wife, happy life." I said, "Oh my god, I hate that cliche." And Serena says, hate it or love it, it's true. I said, actually, no, it's not. But it's a great way to build up resentment. And she said, well, that's the way you want to look at it. We all pick our battles. I said, yep. And the battle shouldn't be happy wife, happy life. It should be happy couple, happy life. It should be. That whole happy wife, happy life thing is just a freaking cop-out. It means that you're going to, the, the, the context of that is you're going to do something that you don't like to do just to keep your partner happy. And you are going to eventually resent them for it if this is an ongoing thing. Yes. And again, it's not, you know, would you help me do the dishes? It's, hey, can we go ballroom dancing? Yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't want to do this. Yes, honey, I'd love to. And you go and you hate it. Mm. And Mm. you then get upset at her. And she doesn't know. She doesn't know. Because you said yes, you dumbass. That's right. But it also, to me, it equates with that that pussy whipped kind of an attitude of, I got to keep my wife happy. Your wife doesn't want that. Well, I wouldn't. As a wife, I would not want my husband to be, well, you know, I would hate it if my husband said to other people, I'm just doing it to keep yeah. the wife happy. Oh, exactly. Oh, she, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. It's up to the wife. That's right. That's it's right. just like, no, it's yeah. not. I don't like that. That's yeah, those, a put down to the wife, the, too. Those are not good relationships. If you feel that way, if you honestly believe that sort of thing, I hate doing this, but it makes the wife happy. Yeah. No. What makes the wife happy is if you're open and honest with her. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes. And, well, in, in a good adult relationship, honesty is the most important thing. Yes. And if you're honest with each other, then she'll know you don't want to go ballroom dancing. Mm-hmm. And if she's honest and loving, she won't resent you for not going ballroom dancing. She'll go, oh my gosh, I didn't know you didn't like it. You never told me. And if it's something, you, <laughs> if it's something she really wants to do, she can still go ballroom dancing by herself. Absolutely. There's all kinds of partners that she can go dancing with. I have no yep. problem with that. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, you got you to gotta be careful with, with this kind of stuff. You, you, the happy wife, happy life thing sort of... At, uh, abdicate your responsibility to keep yourself happy it in does. that relationship mm. because you're subsuming what you want for the wife unless it's an underlying preference for the man he might like that he might and then he's just saying it to people true you know, True. Good. And, but he might actually like just to let the wife do the leading of his life. Now there's, and that's uh, unfortunately the case for a lot of men is it's that mommy syndrome. They want to be told what to do. They, mm. want, they, they don't want they don't want any sort of um, a responsibility for their own life, so they turn the responsibility over to their wife. Mm. And the wife tells them what we're going to do this weekend. Mm. And the wife says we're going to dinner with the Jacksons on Thursday. And the wife says we're doing this on the weekend. And the wife says, and the wife says, and the wife says. And you just sit back and let your wife direct your life for you. And you think you're going to be happy by doing that. Maybe you are. But I don't think that's much of a life. No. I think it's the reverse, too. I think some women are trapped in that where, trapped themselves in that where the man is more of the leader. So it, it goes it, both ways. We always talk about it should be an equal relationship, but it doesn't have to be equal in every single thing in every single way. Overall, it should come out equally. But 
if one person likes doing one thing more than the other, then that's that's fine. Go ahead and do that. For example, you like mowing the lawn. Mm-hmm, and I do. So we don't take turns mowing the lawn. You mow the lawn. Yes. But I also like doing the cooking. So we don't take turns doing the cooking. I do the cooking. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we will do a little sure. We like to cook together. Yes. But, but but we are not out of the situation of, oh, I made dinner last night. Now it's your turn. Oh, no. I mowed the lawn last week. Now it's your turn. No. We never do that kind of thing. It's things are going to even out in in the long run. Yeah. Hopefully. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. We get an email from our friend Jason Painter in Sydney, Australia. Melissa and Sean, I can confirm that when I was 21, that key iconography was a thing. I haven't had any exposure since the 21-year-old events. <laughs> so I'm not sure if it's still observed. 21 was a very big birthday for people in Australia. It meant very adulthood big. independence. It was your key to the door of adulthood. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Because it's completely different here in North America. Now I don't know about Europe. Western Europe. Yeah, in Australia, but, it is a, a almost a rite of passage. That's interesting. That, that age, even though we've all been getting very drunk and having sex way before then. Yeah, no kidding. That's <laughs> the other thing too. It's like I was an adult seven years ago. You know. <laughs> okay, but I'll take the key now. There has been a lot of things going on this past week in America, politically, religiously, uh, Trump-wise. Just a complete disaster, nightmare. I read one of the most interesting things on of all places facebook and it was this line being taught to avoid talking about politics and religion because that's what people always say never discuss politics and religion with other people you know you just don't don't do that being taught to avoid talking about politics and religion has led to a lack of understanding of politics and religion what we should have been taught was how to have a civil conversation about a difficult topic. Absolutely. You and I were talking about this the other day, is that both of us, and I did, but you wished that you had had more Bible study. Oh, I'd love to study that, study in, it in depth. Not in a religious way, but from a historical, cultural, political, narrative, storytelling point of view. And I was lucky enough in college, I did take uh, a, a comparative religion class, and it was fascinating. Mm, I love I that loved too. it. And I wish I'd taken it earlier. We should be teaching stuff in grade seven. Yes. Oh, yeah. Teach kids what the Bible is about from a historical point, not a religious point of view. That's your church does that. Teaches you about the religious aspects of your particular Baptist, Catholic, Protestant, whatever. Let's teach kids and young adults about the cultural, historical, um, political differences and strengths and weaknesses of the world's major religions, Judaism, Islam, Catholicism, and Buddhism, and how they compare and differentiate, and how to talk about this stuff. Because I think that's part of the problem, is that we don't know how to have a civil conversation about politics and religion, and therefore we don't talk to people who disagree with us, because they're going to get mad at me, I'm going to get mad at them, or we're never going to agree on anything. Well, it manifests in fear. We become afraid, because it's almost never... Uh, um, a subject that's never breached with with children and young adults. So there's, there's fear because it's the unknown and um, you become vulnerable to perhaps points of view that you shouldn't be listening to. Do you think, do you, would you agree with this statement? Educated people have no fear of religion. I would, I do well, oh. I don't mean educated as in college educated oh, or anything else like that. I mean people who are educated, people who know about this stuff. I think. Cause it, well, I think education and knowledge 
Um, what was your question? If an educated person would be afraid, afraid of, of religion? Oh, I think that they would be less afraid yeah. of religion. Yes, I do. I Any, think the more education you have about these sorts of things, the less fear you have and the more understanding you have. And you have the ability to say, I'm a Baptist, you're a Catholic, we differ in the way we come to the same solution of Christianity and heaven and God and that kind of stuff. Our methodology is different, but we all believe in, and this is true of all the world's major religions, we all believe in God and love, or a God, or in love, in the universality of love, of the planet, of each other, of whatever it might be. And education teaches you that because that other person doesn't believe what you believe, that's okay. It is. Let God decide who's wrong. But is anyone wrong? If they are, let God decide. Mm, yes. You know, people, the, 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 the perfect example of all this stuff, even as a kid, this confused the shit out of me. I knew there was a difference between Protestants and Catholics. Mm -hmm. I knew that our branch of religion, Baptist, was different from other branches of religion, the, the, the Pentecostals and the Lutherans and the Anglicans. Mm. I, I knew that. Mm. I didn't know what the differences were. I just know they went to different churches and they did different things in their church. No one ever told me that what they did was bad. Okay. No one ever said, oh, the Anglicans are a bunch of assholes. You know, they, 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 they drink cow's blood, whatever. And I don't ever say anything like that. Mm. They just well, they go to a different church. Mm. They sing differently. They have different hymns. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I think when I was about 10 years old, I became aware of the Troubles in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. the, the battles between the Irish Catholics, Catholics and the Irish Protestants. Mm -hmm. And even as a 10-year-old kid, I'm like, why are you fighting? Why are you arguing with this stuff? Because to me, it seemed, I know it's not, it seemed like a purely religious battle. Oh, yes. No, like Catholics were killing Protestants and Protestants were killing Catholics. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, do you all have a different Bible? Mm -hmm. Because the one I read... The first commandment was thou shalt not kill. Mm -hmm. And you claim to be a Catholic or you claim to be a Protestant and you all read from the same Bible and the first thing God says is don't kill each other. Mm -hmm. Treat others as you would want them to treat you. Mm -hmm. Gets confusing, doesn't it? I'm like, why are they fighting? And to this day, I've often thought it'd be very funny to be in heaven, if you believe in heaven, and, and have God be there at the pearly gates when these Protestant, Irish Protestants and Irish Catholics showed up and God was going, no, neither are you getting in. <laughs> you know, take the elevator down. All right? You're not getting in here. You didn't read my book. You know, yeah. you didn't understand what I was doing. <laughs> and we have the same issue with, with Islam. Mm. With the lack of Christian understanding of what Islam is, we here in the West quite often equate all of Islam with the bad elements of Islam. And yet we don't equate all the bad elements of Christianity the Klan, and other people like it, mm -hmm. with everyone who's Christian in, mm -hmm. in North America. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that double standard that we have. Yes, you know, we certainly All do. Muslims are bad because of 9-11, but if that were the same logic, then all Christians would be bad because of lynching black people by the KKK. Yes. You can't yeah. lump them all into, into no, one No, and it all gets group. mixed up with politics and... But I all really do believe that education is the is a key to all this stuff. But the school systems won't go near no. that. No, they won't. They no, won't. it's got to be in a post-secondary situation where you do it by choice. They're not going to let it happen with children. Uh, Melissa and I have been married less than a year. 
and we're still wonderfully, and I love it, still learning things about each other. And it's very much fun. Although sometimes it's a little disturbing. Last week was a prime example. Oh. We're watching TV. We're watching a brand new TV show. It's a reboot of an old TV show. An old TV show I loved. I loved watching it. A Magnum P.I. And we're watching it. It's the new the reboot of Magnum P.I. And we're about 15, 20 minutes in. And I paused and went, this is awful. This is just not good TV. Mm-mm. Whether it's a reboot or not, this is just boring TV. And you said to me words that will indeb- in- be indelibly printed in my brain. I didn't like the original Magnum P.I. What the hell's wrong with you? How could you not have liked the original Magnum P.I.? I didn't like it. I know how, though. What do you mean, how? Dude, it had Tom Selleck. Oh, I love Tom Selleck. It had a Ferrari. It had Hawaii. Mm, no, no. What? I, I didn't like it. That's insanity. It's not insanity. I wish I I'd known this before like I married it. you. I, I really, because it, it might have affected things. Mm. Well, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> I, lo- I love Tom Selleck. But the gorgeous had, big man, but I didn't like Magnum P.I. That's fine. I, but you cannot enunciate how. I Why? just wasn't it. I just didn't like uh, the stories never interested me. It wasn't a show that I that I wanted to watch. I, I, I know now. I, I, I was watching Doctor Who. If I watched it now, I know I wouldn't like it because I know even then it wasn't great TV. It was fun TV. <laughs> Mostly the car for me. He had a Ferrari three-way GTSI, yeah. which is my dream car. Well, and that that the, the dimples and the mustache and oh, he's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. But um, I didn't like the Rockford Files either. Okay, get out. Just yeah. get out. No, no, no. You get out. No, I don't get you out. Get out. No, you get How out. How could you not like? You we can to- stop this show right now, and I'll help you pack your bags. <laughs> okay. Do you have a problem with tall, handsome private detectives? Not at all. Columbo. No. Oh, I loved Columbo. Because he was short and dumpy. No. I, th- I think we're finding the common thread here. No. No, I loved Col- I liked Columbo because he was quirky and he I liked the way he kind of manipulated people and kind of managed to I loved um Night Stalker with Peter Peter Falk, was it? No, who's No, who was, it wasn't Peter Falk. Who was the guy that did Night Stalker? Wasn't that Darren Col- McGavin. Yes, Kolchak. Oh, I loved I love that. Night Stalker. Oh my God, I never missed Night Stalker. But no, Magnum P.I. was boring, and Rockford Files was, was boring too. I didn't like it. Whereas I, I, was, I grew up on Doctor Who. Yeah, which I never saw we, that. We, we watched Doctor Who every week. Now see, for me, Doctor Who is like your Magnum. I watched the old, the mid-70s Doctor Whos, and went, mm. this is stupid. Well... When you were a kid, though, Doctor yeah. Who was pretty cool. And we only had, what, five channels on the television? <laughs> right. So that was on once a week. No, no, I'm sorry. Don't like Magnum P.I. And the new one's just awful. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, my gosh. Same with the new Murphy Brown. Oh, I know. I loved Murphy so Brown. So did I. I loved that show, but the new one was terrible. Now, the problem I have is that the characters that we – basically, if you remember Murphy Brown from when we were kids – Everyone's come back. Mm, and they're they're all the new, same. They're all the same. Mm-hmm. But, and this is interesting. I wonder if this is the filter of 20 years of life, of maturity, of whatever, coming to us now. Because I look at that show now, and they're the exact same people. Yet, yeah. I hate them. Yeah. No, I, I, Corky I is just a 
dits. I don't know. Yes. Miles is just a whiny Jew. Yes, he is. Frank is just arrogant asshole. Yeah, vain. And But I remember them exactly that way in the original. I don't know. I think that Candace Bergen herself had more of a presence in the, in the, in the original. Yeah. She just doesn't have that same presence. Yeah. No, she doesn't. Just the way she would saunter in, and she was just that big, gorgeous, Amer- blonde American yeah. woman. And she's, you know, she's 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 much older now, and she just doesn't have the same screen presence. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe, she- and maybe because because of that, the others come to the floor more. And I just don't like them. No, like she sort of carried it before. She yeah. d- and she did, there was some silly movie she did recently um, with, with Jane Fonda and a yeah. bunch of them. And, and she just, I don't know. Yeah. We got just, a half hour of that one turned oh, off. Oh, we turned off. It was awful. Yeah. yeah. And just, she just doesn't have that same. That's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. a shame. Oh, she's great. Like I like Candace Bergen. But yes. I've yeah. always loved Candace yeah. Bergen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that was just bad TV. And Very. I saw... Um, um, episode two came on. I was like, I don't want to watch it. Oh, really? I just don't. I have no because co- it's it's known that comedies take a while to find their footing. And yes, I was thinking that like too. Seinfeld was a classic example of a yeah. TV show that nowadays would have gotten canceled after three episodes. Yes, because the ratings were not mm. there. But it found its momentum. It found its momentum. Same mm-hmm. with Friends. The mm-hmm. the first three or four episodes of Friends, not so much. Cheers. Mm. A lot of these shows. They just don't find, they haven't got their footing yet. Yeah, well, yeah. And, but it also makes you wonder how many shows have we lost because we didn't give them a chance. True. Which is a real, a real And what, it en- what ends up happening is, is that there becomes this beautiful, can't be written into by writers connection between the actors. It's like Star Trek. Like Star Trek was about the relation, the, the connections yeah. between those actors. It was yeah. just so great, you know. And it was, I mean, that could have that could have been a um, that could have been a, a fail. Yep, yeah, that's right. We, no, um, sorry, I, I don't know what you're going to do when you watch your reruns of Magnum PI. Oh, I'm not reruns. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't go back and watch the old show. Oh, there's not very. I, there's very few. Of those shows from that area, this era, the seventies and eighties, that I'd go back and rewatch, mm. because I've tried with some of them. Mm. I remember going back just just for for shits and giggles, and rewatching Get Smart. Do you have Get Smart in Australia? Oh God, yes, yeah, we watch Get Smart all the time. I watched them again when, when in my thirties. It was awful. Oh yeah, no, terrible. Although I loved awful. it when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. Oh, I loved it. We'd we'd run home from school. Oh yeah, yeah, Get Smart. Yeah, watch yeah. it now and just awful yeah 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 and so i don't watch any of those old you and i started to watch friends which held up pretty well the mm. first season anyway mm-hmm. i watch west wing anytime someone wants to watch watch west wing i love absolutely love west wing um other shows from the 70s and 80s no i wouldn't go back and rewatch the originals i wouldn't go back and rewatch the original magnum pi or rockford files or columbo or that kind of stuff okay because I, be, from experience, I know that so many of the other times I've done that and tried to watch those shows, they've been awful. I don't want them. My memories of them ruined. You don't want them ruined. to be awful. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've watched movies from the seventies and eighties. I remember thinking, "Oh, Apocalypse Now was a great movie." 
and I watched it again in 2000. It was like, this sucks. Really? Awful. Blade Runner. Tedious. Oh, boring yeah. as shit. Yeah, I didn't like Blade Runner anyways. I loved it when I was in, in <clears> high <throat> school or college or whenever I saw it. Mm. 2001 A Space Odyssey? Brilliant mm. movie. Now? Yeah, now. Fuck, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> just, just come on. Isn't that interesting? On. I know, it's scary. Well, uh, well, but that's not true of movies from the 30s and 40s and 50s. Well, they're still brilliant, a lot of them. Hitchcock and, and Double Indemnity and Sunset Boulevard and all those movies are still mm-hmm. fascinating and brilliant movies even today. Mm, interesting, isn't it? But those particular movies... No. no, like I haven't seen the, the the sequel to Blade Runner. No, it's just awful. It's oh, just, you no you, interest. Oh, you don't have. What's well, got Ryan Gosling in it? Shoot me in the head. Oh, Ryan Gosling. He may be beautiful. I don't think he can act. Oh, okay. He's a mannequin. Mm-hmm. He's. I'm, I'm, we're sorry, America, for sending you these actors, Ryan Gosling and Keanu Reeves, who are pretty but can't act. Mm. I don't. I don't find Ryan Gosling. Um, he's he's handsome, but he, to me, he's not like this gorgeous. I mean, he 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 he's no Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> no, well, Ryan Reynolds has everything. He he has everything. He's funny and charming and silly and and handsome and everything. We were talking before about things that I've learned about my beautiful wife. I'm, I've learned something uh, two days ago that um, was very amusing. We were talking about I don't know how we got into the conversation, but I I uh, I said something about the about a seesaw. And she said, <laughs> and she oh said, my God, I'm not prepared for these, <laughs> what he's learning about me things. And, well, notice how it's me learning about you, but you don't learn a damn thing about me. No, it's and, because and you're, all, you're all closed lipped about it. So Melissa said the word, the other word that you all know for a seesaw and then giggled. <laughs> and I was like, say it again. And she said it again. <laughs> <laughs> now, to to extend this experiment, an hour later, I said, "Say the word again." She was like, "No," I said, "Say the word again." Says the word, she says, "Says the word again," and giggles. <laughs> Yesterday, this is twenty four hours later. <laughs> say the word. No, I don't want to say the word. It took me like, ten minutes. I made her say. She says the word, and she giggles. <laughs> so silly. So now, right here, live on. <laughs> don't listen to us. Melissa, say the word. Oh, my goodness. Well, why, why did it come up? I okay. Say the word. okay, the word that you guys in North America use for a seesaw, because in Australia, in a playground, you go play on the seesaw. <laughs> but here, <laughs> here, I quit. It's just so ridiculous you call it a. <laughs> this is my life, folks. So <laughs> this is your life? Yes. My giggly little wife. So you call it a t-shirt, Tasha. <laughs> I mean, you can see why Australians don't want to say it. Like, I'm going to go around going, go play with the t-shirt, Tasha. <laughs> Stupid word. Oh, and seesaw isn't? No, seesaw. It's not a stupidest teeter Seesaw, Madurador, it's even in a bloody song. So is Teeter Totter. Oh, what say Teeter Totter in a song? <laughs> What's the song? Go on. What is it? It isn't in a bloody song. You're like, what? Teeter Totter, Peter Potter, slip, slipped and fell on the Teeter Totter. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> I would never sing that song. A, I'd be a shitty rapper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just seems so fun. Anyway, so I don't have ours, so I say Teeter Totter. <laughs> 
It's not the word. It's your giggle afterwards <laughs> that kills me. It's not the word? It's not the word itself. It's the fact that it makes you laugh every single well, time I hadn't you say it. S- I don't think I'd said it for decades. And it was Rory was in bed with yep. us. And I said it and just went hysterical about <laughs> how stupid I sounded. Oh, my God. It's going to no. be the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> Let's do our advice section of the show now, shall we? Yes. I have a 15-year-old cat named Loki. Last year, he started peeing everywhere that wasn't his litter box. Oh, dear. He found out that he was suffering from diabetes, a manageable but costly disease. Oh, dear. Between his medical needs and special home care when we need to travel, it's costing us more than $3,000 a year to keep him relatively healthy, healthy and cared for. <sighs> we have health payments, student loans, a two-year-old. We've had to significantly rearrange our financial priorities to take care of the cat. My husband wants to take Loki off the medi- medication, just let nature take its course. But that idea just makes me cry. I don't want to watch him go back to having accidents and slowly waste away over the next couple of months or years. I'd rather put him down. But my husband says he's an otherwise healthy cat, and we can't. Do we suck it up financially? Let nature run its course? Or pick a day to say goodbye to a beloved family pet while he's still feeling good, relatively good? This is the awful part of having pets. It is. Awful, awful, awful. These kinds of decisions. What would you do? Hmm. I have to say, and and, you know, and I have an aging cat who I love so much. I ridiculously, absolutely love her. But, um... I have to say, I and we, you know, not a lot of money going on here, and there's things to do, and we have plans. And I've thought, what would I do if she started to get sicker? Because sometimes there's peeing and pooping happening where it shouldn't, and she's never been like that. Yep. She's always been a very good girl, a very clean girl. And I have thought that if it got to a point that I would, I would put her down, like I would plan it and have her, even if she was relatively healthy. Well, the thing is, I look at her now and she's fluffy and glowing and she's got a wet nose and she'll run around the yard and climb up trees. I, if she was in pain, I would. But if she wasn't, if she, if she kept going like this and not in pain and still playing. But the problem these folks have is that the cat isn't in pain as long as they keep paying for the medicine. Yes, but do, is he in pain without the medicine? It doesn't seem to be in pain. Obviously, they're saying that once they give him the medicine, he pees in his litter box and he's, he's a healthy cat. See, that's the problem. Therein lies the problem. If, if there was no other way to um, make the cats or the animal, cat, dog, fish, whatever it was, if you couldn't make their life healthy... Uh, the the quality of life be a good one, then yes, you put them down. But if the quality of life is the same as it was before with the medicine, that becomes a lot harder. Well, it's a really good story to bring up the conversation about insuring your pets. True, I know pe- you. I've heard you recommend that to people. Yep, because that way it's covered. Yeah. But if not, then it. it, it it's a very difficult decision, but you know it's hard to say. I mean, I'm not in the in their shoes, and I would say financially. Oh, to me, it becomes a lot easier if you can afford it. You got to keep doing it. If you can't afford it, then you have the cat put down. Yes, yeah, see, I couldn't afford to be doing that for her. No, no. That's that's the way I would look at it. It, it becomes a, a air quote simple money issue. 
that if your family is being impacted financially by this, if you are now, if this means that you can't go on that vacation to the French Riviera, that's a whole different thing. But if you find yourself having to buy different groceries because you're short money this month because of the cat, that's a whole different story. <clears throat> oh, dear. Just overall and horrible. Because, you know, I think now that if I put her in my arms and put her in a cage to drive down to the vet to get her to say goodbye to her simply because I couldn't afford pills for her, yep. yeah, it would break my heart. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I don't disagree with you at all. And and that would be the most painful thing in the world. Mm. The problem is we're going to have this situation. Well, I don't in a think year's time, six months time when we go to Australia. I oh, know I don't think about that yet. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> I work part time in a small sales office of about ten people. About a month ago, one of my coworkers approached me about doing a project for his graduate program at a local university. It was for some sort of anatomy textbook or something similar. It would be a photo of my breast with my face not in the photo for the textbook. I would be compensated for the photos. There were some red flags in his proposition. Yeah, think? <laughs> the photos would be taken by him in my home, and he never presented me with official paperwork about it. I called the university, and they assured me that whatever project he was working on was not through their university, as there would have been extensive paperwork, screening, photos, professionally taken, etc., which is what I had figured in the first place, particularly for such a large university and for a master's program. My question is this. Is this a matter that I should bring up to my boss? Is this something that she needs to know about? Well, first of all, in my uh, uh, teachings about if you have issues with co-workers, is you first of all go to them. And, and you would say to him, you know, this proposition is inappropriate and, you know, you need to know that I'm going to go higher and complain about it. He can't do that. Oh, my God. So he's basically lied to her. He's lied in a, in a ruse to get, uh, take pictures of her breasts. The question is, is this a matter that I, I should bring up to my boss? Hell yes. Yes, yes. Hell Yes. If this was in any way, shape, or form a professional thing for a real graduate program, as the grad university told you, there would be paperwork. Mm. He wouldn't be doing it in your home. He would be he would be hiring a professional model to do this stuff. Mm. No, tell your boss. Nowadays, with the with the climate we're in nowadays, no, if you see any guy perv on women, say something to a higher authority. This guy is perving on probably other employees, not just you, doing this thing. No, this guy should be fired from his job. This is this is harassment. No, sorry, not harassment. This is could be low-level sexual assault, for Christ's sake. Just mm -hmm. the thought of asking somebody this. No, no, no. There is no way, shape, or form this is any way okay. And he should be found out, and his boss should be told, and let the boss deal with it, but he should be fired. Absolutely. Yep, he'll go and do it somewhere else. True, true. <laughs> I get the feeling this might be a problem that you would you would have had. Yes. Now, I, as I say that, she's going to get mad at me. Um, my fourteen-year-old son recently came across some Polaroid pictures of me that his father took of me back when we were fourteen. Yes, we've been together for a very long time. The problem is the pictures are nude shots. And he's fourteen. 
his son, the four, son's 14, she was 14, the pictures were taken. You can't really tell the pictures of me as my appearance has changed pretty dramatically. My son came to me really worried that his father was potentially hoarding teenage porn. <laughs> Which is worse, thinking your father has kitty porn and knowing that you just saw a 14 version of your mother naked? No, you tell him it's you. You don't really? let him, yes, you don't let him think that his father has photographs of a teenager as he were hoarding photographs of a teenage girl. You say, Oh my gosh, that's me. Yeah, I agree. And you be honest about it. I agree. <laughs> you just you, you 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 make light of it. It was this is your father and I, we were we've been in love for a very, very long Absolutely. time. Absolutely. We were just being silly kids. Yes. And this is nothing for you to worry about. Yeah, don't, no don't, big deal. It's no big deal. No. Because one of the issues that we have, especially in Western society, is this whole body shaming thing. You know, you don't want the kid to think that his mom's body is verboten or no. unattractive or anything along those lines. No. You know? The other question is, why are you snooping in your, in your dad's stuff? Yes. <laughs> That's another question I want to ask little bastard. It's true. But yeah, you definitely tell the kid. Of this, course. This mom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Damon's seen pictures of me naked recently. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Where? On your Instagram account. Oh, okay. See, that's another thing now is you got to watch it because, you know, if your kids follow you on Instagram and then there's a new photo, you go, holy shit. What the? That was funny. Yes, it was very funny. But it was a beautiful photo. But I forgot. Tastefully done. No, yeah, it wasn't anything rude, rude, but still. Now, do you see a difference between naked and nude? Uh, I don't, in what way? It depends, but in what way? I this is only this is only me, but to me, naked has no connotation of any sexuality. Where nude does. Well, nude, nude is usually opposed. Nude is sexy. Naked is not. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Well, what would there be different poses? Is that what is naked while you're doing something? Like you're naked putting on your pants or you're naked brushing your teeth or you're naked. If you were out gardening with no clothes on, that's being naked. If you're lying in the bed, that's being nude. Oh. You, see, you see what I mean? Again, this is only in my head. I don't think anyone else thinks this way. Mm. But I, for some reason, my brain sees the difference between naked and nude. Well, I okay. I no? Think, I think Siri would say that they mean the same thing. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Naked, nude. She crept naked into the forest. She was in the forest, nude. See, in my head, those are two. Di- I visualized two different things. Well, how? Uh, well, okay. You saying she she walks naked through the the forest is just someone ha- with no clothes walking through a forest. She walks nude through the forest how gives a different sensu- sensuality to it. And how is she? How is she different when she's walking nude? It's in my head, not hers. I don't understand what you mean. I know. I know. It's tough to explain. No anyway. one. No one understands me. No, I don't want. Well, there, there you go. There you go, folks. <laughs> Neither do I. I don't want to talk about nude and naked. This is a problem you might have. Mm-hmm. My friends have a son about five years old. They enforce little, if any, discipline on him, and he throws a hissy fit when they try to make him do anything. They tell him to pick up something he threw. He ignores them. Dad picks it up a couple minutes later. They tell him to go to bed. He ignores them. He keeps doing whatever it is he's into. 
My fear is that they are teaching him that he can get away with anything by ignoring the rules. Specifically, I'm concerned that he will never learn that no means no, i.e. they're raising a rapist. Should I say anything to them? If I do, it would only be once and I wouldn't harp on it. There are not people who would be okay with this outcome, and but I don't want to stomp on my relationship with them either. Are these friends? Yes, my friends. Ah. Oh. No. No! You can't tell your friends I, that you I, think their son's going to grow up to be a rapist. No, being a rapist has nothing. That's ridiculous. That's, well, that's over what she's the at. That's exactly I know, what she's but asking. that's over the top. It really is. I can see being a concerned friend and being able to gently bring into a conversation or while it's happening, you know what? I see you lots of times tell him to do stuff like, I, you know, make him do it. Because I think it's going to snowball on you and he's going to be difficult to manage when he gets to school or whatever. He's not going to be a rapist. <laughs> no, I think that's stupid. That is stupid. ridiculous. I, I do believe they are teaching him something negative. Well, they're teaching him that no matter what they say, he doesn't have to follow through yeah. on it. I mean, that's what they're teaching they're, him. They're definitely growing, they're, they're definitely raising... Uh, uh, a self-entitled little bastard. They're not raising some power. Rape is about power. Yeah, yeah. It's not no. about that. And believe yeah. it, when he hits the school system, the teachers will, <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to do what he's told. But this brings up the question of how would you as a parent feel if someone else told you your parenting wrong? Well, I mean, again, my, my beautiful friend Corey, because, you know, I've... Um, been, uh, you know, been separated from their dad for, well, since before Rory started kindergarten and he's in high school now. Yeah. Um, and it's a struggle. It's a very, very difficult thing to do on your own, especially you, I had two boys and just, just difficult. Yeah. And, and I'm a good mother. You I'm sure a are. wonderful, dedicated, amazing mother. You but sure sometimes are. you let things slide because... It's you're just struggling. You're either your energy is gone, or you're just doing everything because you just need it to be done because you got to go to work the next day. Whatever reasons you have, but Corey has gently said to me, you know, when I've when I've when I'm at the point where I can point things out, when the boys were younger, and go, oh well, and she's saying, yeah, I've been at your house where you've said, Rory, go do this. And then when he hasn't done it, you've gotten up and you've started to do. And every parent does it. It's easy to do. And when Corey said that to me, I wasn't mad at her. I just said, yeah, yeah. I said, I totally got, I know that. And it's great. You, the parents have to be in a place where they're ready to hear it. Otherwise they're going to go, go away. It's none of your bloody business. But if parents are at that point where they even minutely think or are aware that they're doing what they shouldn't be doing. If you have a friend say it, you, usually they'll go, I know we've got to work on it because mm-hmm. we can see that it's becoming an issue. It's interesting because it's something that I see in you and it wasn't until you explained that to me that I saw why you did those things. Where sometimes you said, just easier. Or I need to get to work so I'll just, I'll just wash the dishes. Or you just have low energy and you just like, oh, I don't care. I'm, 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 oh, I'm ta- absolutely. I'm taking a parenting break today. Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah. Uh, let him play on the Xbox for another hour. Yeah. I don't care. Yep. 
But it's not, I don't care is the wrong word. It's not, I don't care about my kid or about how the kid's being raised. It's just at this moment, I just don't feel like dealing with it. Yep. And I didn't realize that A, parents felt that way, or B, that it was okay. Not that you do it all the time, like this person is, where this kid never does anything that they're supposed to do. But every now and then you just go, oh, you know what? I, I, I don't want to have the battle. Mm-hmm. And it's something you hear parents say. But until you are a parent, you don't realize how true that is, that parenting is a lot of battles, small and large. Mm-hmm. And Every the- day, all day, <laughs> year after year after year. It is ongoing. Yeah. It is. And the other aspect of that that, that makes me realize how I didn't – I'm trying to figure out how to say this – I was raised by a single mother, even though she was married so was the, the whole time. My fathers and stepfathers weren't involved in our raising at all. Mom raised us on her own. <clears throat> and until you are a parent, we always hear about how hard it is to be a single parent. You don't know until you watch a single parent parent how fucking hard parenting in general is and parenting by yourself is. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. In a million different ways, both large and small. Mm-hmm. Little things like making lunches every single. You made a lunch every single oh my day God, for twelve I'm years. So, oh yeah. You know. So yeah. You're so done with lunches. <laughs> oh yeah, I hate making lunches, but yeah. I haven't. But I, that's something that's important to me. My ki- and my kids are great eaters. They love yeah. good food. Yeah. yeah, they don't. They're not fast foodies. They they've always had good fresh lunches but every you can day. See why parents buy lunchables? Oh, I can see it, but I won't you know, do it. It's, it's they know it's not good no, for the kids. They've but, had fresh baking yeah. in their lunches. They've always got a fresh piece of fruit. Only water. Like they're not they're not uh, uh, soda drinkers. The little shit had cheesecake in his lunch last week. Yep, he had the last piece of cheesecake. He did not. Wasn't the last piece. Anyway. <laughs> You've got a real issue with that cheesecake thing. There it comes up again. Whoa. I am not touching that cheesecake that we're having for Thanksgiving. But what what is what it is with these two people is that see they're together. There's a mother and a father. Yes. And it is so much easier when you're a couple, especially with a little one, because, you know, you need those breaks yeah. and you need to be together. So, but then they're both doing it. So I'm hoping in this story that they'll start to check each other and go, oh, you know what? We need to start to get him to follow through. Because I think that's very important that you, that you, that as, as a couple or even as, as, a, as a single parent, if you say something, you that you have to do this. You got to make them do you it. You do. You really do. Because if they learn that they can ignore mm-hmm. you about this stuff, they will ignore you about that thing. Yep. Do the dishes. Well, if I just sit here long enough, Mom will do them for me. Yep. Kind of yep. thing. Yep. Absolutely. Know? Yep. It's true. I mean, I when you when you're working full time and you're raising children, and you. Um, don't have a lot of money, so you do you bake and you home cook all your food and blah 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 and on and on. You th- it, sometimes you just get in and you do it all yourself yeah. because it's quicker, quicker. You're efficient. You're not going okay. This is how you do the dishes, blah blah blah, and all those things that you're supposed to be teaching them. It's hard. It's harder to do. Doing the dishes by yourself takes ten minutes. Doing them with someone else takes forty-five. Yeah, and sometimes yeah, forty-five minutes. Well, and it's like, what's his name? Is it C.K. Louis or Louis C.K. Louis C.K. He has that funny thing where he's funny about parenting, but, you know, um, 
sometimes doing the dishes and doing those things, it's your alone time. Yes, you're not right, yeah. you're not talking to anyone. You just you don't want to deal with the yeah. chitty chat. You go watch your television now while I just go into the kitchen <laughs> on my own and clean up. It's your it's your downtime. We'll end up on uh, this fascinating story from uh, a couple days ago. Banksy artwork self-destructs after selling for $1.4 million at auction. I don't know if you, if you haven't seen this. This is one of the most fascinating stories in so many different ways. The, the very well-known but unknown, uh, interesting way of saying it, well-known artist Banksy, but no one knows who Banksy is or what he looks like or she looks like. He's an anonymous artist. He, he became famous back in the 90s in Bristol, England for some really interesting graffiti satirical and uh, controversial stuff and now he's become at least in the art world a world famous artist whose paintings sell for tens and twenties and thirties and thousands of dollars so on friday one of his most famous um, graffiti art and you've seen it probably didn't know it was banksy it's the image of it was first done as graffiti on on walls but kind of almost like his logo Little girl with uh, the wind blowing her hair from behind, reaching up. Either she's just let go of or she's reaching for a heart-shaped balloon. It's a cute little image. Yeah, it is. Nothing spectacular no, about it. No, there isn't actually. It's not the Last Supper. It's, nope. it's nothing huge, but for whatever It's kind of reason, whimsical. And yeah, you know, it's kind cute. Kind of cheery. It was sold at auction at, at Sotheby's for $1.4 million. The moment the auctioneer banged his gavel and said, going, going, gone, sold, alarm started to go off, and the painting itself slipped through its very ornate frame, which is a really it was weird... very ornate, yeah. It was very a weird wrong frame, frame, but I suppose that's the only frame you can put it in. Slipped to the frame and started to shred itself. And it shredded about half the... the, the yes, it stopped. The painting. Yes. And this has caused this wonderful stir about this. The backstory is Sotheby says they knew nothing about it. As soon as you see the photo, you you my first thought was that's an ugly frame. It was awful on that, for, the, for the painting. It turns out, and Banksy posted on his official Instagram uh, a picture of the uh, image of of, of the, the painting uh, shredded with the text going, going, gone. He also posted and then deleted, but then reposted video of him creating this art back in 2006, showing the shredder inside of it. Of that very frame. Of that very frame. So that's what he did. In 2006, he created this picture and in this frame with a shredder built into it. Now, the story, people seem to be getting the story a little confused. What happened is, this photo wasn't, people are saying, oh, he destroyed someone's, or someone, someone just bought that and he destroyed it. Well, Banksy gave Sotheby's that uh, art with the frame and told them, you must hang this on the wall and you must sell this as the last thing in the sale of this particular Sotheby's auction. Sotheby's wouldn't have had a problem with that. So Banksy is a very well-known artist. Um, selling it last, they wouldn't have a problem with that because it gets people to stay for the entire auction kind of thing. So Sotheby's, people are accusing Sotheby's of knowing something about this. I don't think Sotheby's did. And if, if nothing else, at least they have plausible deniability. 
But I don't. I honestly believe that that Sotheby's didn't know anything about this. The other comment is someone someone said that that actually someone on on Twitter said that he had destroyed um, someone's art. Oh, he's that. Someone had paid for this and therefore he destroyed it. But the person who won the auction didn't own the painting until the money changed hands. Right? In theory, the artist could, well, this thing called a reserve on auction items. You can put a, a reserve on the auction. It says, I will not sell, you see this on eBay all the time. People say, I will not sell this unless it's over this price. And sometimes it's a it's a secret reserve, so you don't know what the price is. Other times it's not. So Banksy could very easily say that this is a reserve price. It didn't meet it, so therefore it comes back to me. Or he could say it's not your art until the check clears. You know, you don't but own you it. But you said Sotheby's gets people's credit card numbers. Yes, at, at, at every auction. Even like a local auction around here, when you 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 sign up to be a bidder and you get a little bidder paddle or a card, mm. they um, will take an imprint of your credit card in the local auctions here. Mm-hmm. At the level of Sotheby's, where things are going for millions of dollars, you pretty much have to show them your bank account mm. with ten million dollars in it or whatever mm-hmm. number Sotheby's set. So whoever that person is who is bidding on this, Sotheby's knows who they are. They may not know them personally. They may not never gone to auction at Sotheby's before, but Sotheby's knows you can afford to buy this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why they let you bid. Mm-hmm. So Sotheby's could easily say, no, you didn't pay us for it, so therefore it's not your mm-hmm. art. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I believe that the person who bid on this was in on it with Banksy. Oh, it was Banksy himself. Could have been Banksy himself, but I think Banksy was in the room. I think he was in the room. If there's one video that you see multiple different camera angles, I think Banksy had several of his friends shooting video of this. Mm. And um, that's where a lot of this this stuff comes from. And Banksy would have gotten someone he knew to be on the phone bidding because it means they could hang up immediately after the auction was over because Banksy wanted to make sure that he knew who won the auction. Mm. And Banksy would have told the person on the phone, bid whatever you need to bid. Mm. Just just keep bidding until you win the auction, mm. and because that way Banksy can say you're not you won't be on the hook for the money. I'll, I will be. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure this thing um, is sold to someone I know and not a complete stranger that I then have to explain. No, I destroyed the art. Mm-hmm. But that brings up another question: Has the art been destroyed, mm. or was this his intention all along? This is the interesting aspect of nowadays modern art performance art because this whole thing was a performance art piece well i believe he's making a statement too what statement do you think he's making he's well and and one aspect of it could be that artists own their own art for all time because Mm -hmm. it's coming from inside of them and they have created it and it just happens to be that people buy it but it always is theirs sure it's mine to shred you might have a million or whatever pounds, but I'm going to shred it because it's mine. Um, he could be making a statement about all of those 
very filthy, stinking, rich people hanging around, going on and on about his art and even being able to pay for a piece of art uh, for that much money at an auction. He could be making that statement because he's done the street art thing for so long. I mean, it, it, it says a lot of things, yeah, it does. what he's done. One of the stories that we watched about this was um, apparently, uh, I think it was about 10 years ago, maybe not that long, five years ago. Banksy um, did a bunch of his uh, art and put it up for sale on on a street corner in London, but said it was copycat Banksy's. Mm-hmm. And they were on they were on simple frames. There was there was no a simple canvas. Oh yeah, no frames around them. There were mm. just just the, his stencils. Yes, and he was selling them for sixty bucks a piece. Yeah, on on the street corners of London. Did it for a weekend. But they're original Banksy's. Turned out later, he announced that those were original Banksy's. And the thing that you bought for 60 bucks was actually worth about $20,000. Exactly. So it says to me something about who he is or his background and where he has come from. Maybe. Or it's his statement on the value of art. The value of art doesn't lie in the art itself. It lies in the perception of the artist. Or it should be accessible for everyone. Is that too? Why would yep. you have to go to Sotheby's and have a million pounds to own beautiful art? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. I, I love that he's getting people to talk about this stuff. Yeah. We're, we're having a discussion about We're having a discussion about art in general, the value of art, what constitutes art. Is the art the, the painting? Or is the art the, the half destroyed? Because notice it wasn't completely destroyed. It wasn't shredded down to the ground. It wasn't shredded in 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 completely. Mm-hmm. This is going to hang in a museum somewhere oh, the way it, will. it is. Oh, it will. And the whole story. But um, you can't. It got shredded. You can't see the little girl anymore when it when it goes down. Which you can only is, see the balloon. You can only see the balloon, yep. which is a love heart. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. No, they'll mount it, or they'll just keep it the way it is. Oh yeah, no, it'll, with it'll, the yep. shredded yep. piece down under it. But so, what did power the shredder then? How was it Actually, powered? Someone, someone uh, on on Twitter. Um, said, oh, come on, everybody, including Sotheby's, had to be in on this. Every auction piece gets examined meticulously beforehand. No way they didn't see the shredder. Also, it had to be powered. Surely it didn't have a battery that lasted for years. I said, no, 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 no. If Banksy, this world-famous artist, comes to Sotheby's and says, I want you to sell my... Because remember, Banksy owned this piece. This is not someone else coming to Sotheby's. This was Banksy himself identifying himself to Sotheby's somehow, saying, I'm Banksy. I want you to sell this piece, but only under these conditions. And except for the case of one of the conditions being someone mur- get murdered, Sotheby's is going to say, whatever you want. Please, yes, let us sell your your art. Remember, Sotheby's is a business. Mm-hmm. They need yeah. oh, art to Oh, they're going to go, sell. sure, yes. Any, any conditions you like that and, is... And they need art to sell for as much as possible because mm-hmm. Sotheby's makes money That's right. off the auction price. Like generally, it's about 10%. So if it's sold for a million dollars, they get $100,000. $100, so, so if he says to Sotheby's, don't examine this painting, do not take it off, don't x-ray, don't do anything, I'm just going to give it to you, Sotheby's is going to say, yeah, you're Banksy, sure. They're not going to say, no, we, we, have, we have to take it apart and take it off the frame and examine it. No, they're not going to do that. No. So Sotheby's definitely may not have known about this. The conditions, the Banksy's saying it has to hang on a wall, has to be the last thing. They'll just go, yeah, that's just one of the quirky artist things. 
So Sotheby's would blow that off without a problem. The fact that uh, someone said that no way they didn't uh, had to be powered, surely didn't have a battery that lasted for years. If Banksy owned this photo, this image, like he claims to, then all he would have had to do is the day before the auction is take the back off, put a new battery on, and boom, you're done. But then how was it started? It would have been started electronically, which is why I think that Banksy was in the room. It would have been very easy to have on his phone an electric start. Yes, but back in the time when he mounted it and put it in, there wasn't an ability to do a remote no, start, was but the there? day before, he could have done that. Oh. When he changed the battery, he could have put in a new Bluetooth mechanism that oh, all right. would start it up automatically. Okay. okay, interesting. Definitely premeditated. If he had done it that long ago, he must have thought about it for a very long time. If that video that he posted on his Instagram account mm-hmm. is accurate and it happened in 2006, then yes, this is an amazing stunt. Why wait 12 years? Why now? You know, there's no way of knowing that he, in fact, shot that video in 2006. So this is the other thing about this being a performance piece. We have no evidence that he didn't do this last Tuesday. You know what I mean? This is a a spray paint graffiti stencil that he's done a thousand times all over London, Mm. all all over England. Mm. So it's not like it would take him a year to paint this. No, he would have whipped it up. He would have whipped it up. And he might have had an old frame lying around, and he would have, oh, cool, look, I got a shredder kind of thing. So there's no evidence that he did this in 2006. No, he just... He just said he'd done it. So that's more of the mystery of all this stuff, of Mm. how this went about. Oh, no, it's it's incredible. I just think it's incredible that he's done this. And I love it. I absolutely... uh, Someone says, uh, this all smells fishy to me. I said it, it not no, fishy. No, no, no. Think of the, if you think of the whole thing as performance art. Yes, it's not fishy at all. <clears throat> not this at is all. Just a performance. It by stimulates. It stimulates conversation about art. It stimulates conversation about what he's trying to say. Yep. It stimulates conversation about ownership of art. Uh, everything. My God. I just got this tweet. Even if it counts as performance art, it doesn't make him not a douche. Why is why is he a douche? But why is he a douche? He, it's his. He he created it. I don't see why he's being a douche. That comment is an example of people making instant what what we call hot takes. You immediately do a hot take on it. He's a he destroyed the art. He's a douche. Instead of thinking about it, did he destroy art or did he create new art? Well, that's the whole that's the whole stimulation of it all. This wasn't the Mona Lisa that this happened to. This mm-hmm. was a modern artist with a modern work mm-hmm. that he that, that he he's done repeatedly. Done repeatedly. It was again when you think about it, when you learn about it, instead of making snap judgments about it, when you find out he's this is his painting Mm -hmm. again this wasn't something he had sold to somebody else and then somebody else was doing it at sotheby's this was him going directly to sotheby's Mm -hmm. so he's if he's destroying anything he's destroying his own art well that's what he's saying too i'm putting it on auction someone's going to bid how much was it pounds or dollars whatever a lot of money then no more than most people will ever see and he. I don't see how he can how you can say that he's a douche. I don't think he's a douche. I think he's a genius. Yeah. He didn't go to anyone's house and destroy it. He didn't. No. He did it there publicly. The man is a genius. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's a douche at all. So. And if he did in fact make it in two thousand and six, he has waited for the perfect time to do it. I'd love to know why he waited. Why? Why is this the perfect time? 
Has he ever had works auctioned off before oh, at yeah. Sotheby's? Sure, yeah. Maybe it was just he was waiting for a certain point in his life. Who knows? I hope we eventually find out the backstory of all this. I'd love to know the truth behind all this. His involvement, Sotheby's involvement, why he did it, who the, the, the bidder, the winning bidder was. I'd love to hopefully someday we find out the truth of all this stuff. It's because it's fascinating to me. Hmm. Folks, uh, send us emails to dltu at yml.me to all of our Canadian friends. We hope you have a yes, wonderful, happy. happy Thanksgiving with your family, either here on Sunday or on Monday. Uh, let us know. I, something else I saw on the New York Times today, I didn't realize until I moved to the States, butter tarts are a Canadian thing. Oh, are they? I did not know that. I, I, I remember... When I moved to the States and I saw uh, that they have something similar called pecan tarts. And basically, it's a pecan pie. Yes. Tart, tart size. And I was like, oh, I'd love to have some butter tarts. Someone said, what are you talking about? Well, I said, they're the same sort of thing, but they are but they had no, no idea what I was talking they about. They don't know what butter tarts are. Butter. Now, I understand they don't know what Nanaimo bars are. That I get because mm. they're from Nanaimo. I suppose. Are they? But I just assumed that butter tarts were, were a universal thing. Everyone knew of butter tarts. And it's, I, I say that because it's, to me, butter tarts are a uh, holiday thing. It's a Thanksgiving. It's this time of Christmas year. Christmas, too. Yeah, Christmas, Halton, and Thanksgiving butter tarts were big yeah. in our family. So. I thought you had a hankering and you were going to make some. I'm going to. I really do have a hankering. I really do want to make some. Uh, emails to dltu at yml.me. We'd love to hear from you guys. Please give us a review on the iTunes store. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you did that. Until next week, this has been Don't Listen to Us. I've been Sean King. I'm Melissa King. Thanks for joining us. See ya. Bye.